Hello. This is the Fight Back Podcast, hosted by exercise scientist Georgia Very. Here, you'll find a series of honest conversations about martial arts and mental health. My guests and I explore the statement that every martial artist has heard. Martial arts saved me. How and why do combat sports save people? Listen to find out. Hey there, Conscious Combat Soul. What, you? Yes, I'm talking to you. If you listen to this podcast, then you are a human being who loves combat and wants to be conscious about the way that you're doing it. You're interested in being more trauma-informed, more inclusive, and more ethical in the way that you teach and participate in martial arts and combat sports. And that's why I would like to invite you specifically to join our new group, the Conscious Combat Club. We're on Facebook, and there's an emailing newsletter that you can sign up for, the details for both of which are in the show notes here. But now, let's get to today's episode. Welcome to the Fight Back podcast, everyone. I am here today with Mint Carter. She is a Muay Thai photographer and practitioner. Mint, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Georgia. I'm happy to be here. I'm super happy to have you on. I love that we were able to met through, able to meet. Wow, my words are just done by the end of today. Um, I'm so happy we were able to meet through Fight Her, which we should probably plug at some point, maybe later on during this episode. Um, but let's sure. let's talk about you. I'm super interested to learn more about you and your story. So let's maybe start with how you got into Muay Thai. Sure. So. I got into Muay Thai when I was 10 years old, actually, so 18 years ago, Mm -hmm. through my stepdad, who is, he's from Thailand, and he was a retired, he is a retired Muay Thai fighter from like 100 years ago, he's pretty old now, but Mm -hmm. he teaches now in the, you know, Washington, D.C. area, he coaches part-time, and, you know, he'll, he'll work at gyms and coach students and fighters there but with me it started when um so I didn't plan on getting into Muay Thai but um well just to summarize my I was born in the U.S. my mom is from Thailand and my my biological father is from Pakistan Mm -hmm. so total clash in culture and you know it was I had quite the identity crisis growing up, Um, but when I was a young kid, you know, in Washington, D.C., that's where I grew up, they have a Thai temple where on Sundays, Thai kids would go learn to write, read, and speak the language. They would learn culture. They would learn to play the instruments and whatnot, and I participated every Sunday, but it was hard for me because I'm you know, not only half Thai, but I'm half Pakistani and, you know, and especially in, you know, Southeast Asian cultures, to be quite honest, you know, there's prejudice towards South Asian people like India, Pakistan, Sri Lanka, you know, they kind of look down on them. I'm not saying all Southeast Asians are like that, but this is from my personal experience. I'm not lumping everybody into one group, Um, but I got picked on by kids, teenagers, even Thai adults, uh, especially Thai adults. And um, my mom and my uncle's friend group, um, 
And I was just such an angry kid. I, I was picking fights at school. Well, they're mostly one-sided because I would just, I, I don't condone violence in a unsanctioned sport, but, you know, I would just, you know, I was the bully because people were bullying me. So I became the physical bully and I would get in trouble at school. And um, there was like, there, there was one, um, one particular person who was my absolute tormentor. He was my uncle's friend. And, you know, I just, I still remember this vividly. And I talk about it in therapy sometimes. Um, you know, he would call me all types of derogatory names for South Asian people. You know, Thai, in, in the Thai language, there's, you know, derogatory terms for, for Indian people. And he would call me that. And, you know, he would just torment me day in and day out because he would come over often. And, you know, like my, my family didn't do anything about it. You know, I still, I still have a rocky relationship with my mom and my older brother, because I would tell them, you know, this person keeps saying this to me, they keep saying that to me. And they would just tell me, oh, he's joking, just, you know, don't be so sensitive. But I'm like, seven years old, I'm eight years old. And this person is telling me, I'm, I'm ugly, I'm stupid, I'm this and that. And when you're a kid, you really soak that in. Mm. And, you know, I, I was just so angry. And I would take my anger out on, you know, my classmates. And, and um, I remember when I was eight years old, um, this, like the same person, he threatened to kill me. And I, I was eight years old. I was terrified. And like my first instinct was, so he was, he was in front, like he was on top of a flight of stairs and he was like bending over to grab something. And I pushed him down the stairs and he's fine. You know, he, he, a couple bruises and stuff, you know, break his neck. But I got in so much trouble that my family so there's a there's this tie thing where if you you know do something that dishonors your family in a way they send you to the temple to you know kind of like bring forgiveness for your family mm-hmm. so my my mom sent me to Chiang Mai in Thailand which <laughs> years later is where I end up living but you know, she sent me to a temple in uh, rural Chiang Mai to live as a nun for a year. And I remember the first month was so hard. I was crying every day and I was thinking my mom left me. But if I get emotional, I'm really sorry. It's okay. Take your time. Um, you know, I was thinking my mom left me. She doesn't love me. Nobody took my side. And I really hated myself because of who I was or who I am. And I feel like it caused me so much trouble. And, you know, just every negative thing that a young girl can think about herself, she would think about. And, like, I I remember when I was a teenager, I found my old diaries from when I was around that age, like seven or eight, before I lived in Thailand for a year. 
how I wanted to die and how I wish I wasn't alive. Like an eight-year-old should not be writing about that. You know, I, I think about it now with my grown-up eyes and, you know, I just, like, I feel sad for that young child version of myself. Like, I don't feel like I'm her anymore, but I feel like I, I just, I feel so bad for, for that young kid. But anyway, um, I was at the temple for a year. I did the whole, like, shaving my head, wearing the white robe, and, you know, just pretty much following the monks, like, when they would go into town and people would bring them food, I would help them carry food, and, you know, I was learning a lot about, like, the simple Thai life. And that honestly taught me how to live a very simple life and, and what have you. It, it was all in all, it was a really interesting experience. I don't regret it. But when I came back home in, uh, in Washington, DC, it, things didn't really change. Um, I still felt anger. Like I thought when I would see my mom, Oh mom, I miss you brother. I miss you. But I didn't feel that. I felt really angry towards them. Like, how can you leave me in this place where I'm sharing a room with at least 12 other kids on a very thin mat on the floor and, you know, getting very little to eat because there's so many mouths to feed. And, you know, Thailand is not a rich country. And, you know, I, I come back to America, my hair is so short and I'm like, why, why would you, you know, leave me there? I'm, I'm your baby. Um, so I still came back and very angry kid. And about one or two years later, when I was 10, so yeah, one year later, um, I met my stepdad, who going forward, I'm going to be calling him dad, because mm -hmm. honestly, he's 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 like my real dad he's done mm -hmm. so much for me and he still does and i i love that man to death um he's such a good man and i met my dad my stepdad when i was mm -hmm. 10 and there was there was one instant oh i'll never forget um there was this there was this kid i still remember his name but I'm not going to say it out loud, but I remember his name. And I remember he was wearing a red and white striped horizontal shirt. And he just like, he kept making fun of my teeth and whatnot. And I just snapped and I jumped out of my chair and I started wailing on him. I don't condone violence by the way, but <laughs> I just, I had no control over my anger because it all was just, it builds up. Mm -hmm. And my mom and my stepdad went to the school. I was suspended for a week. And of course, my mom was disappointed. She told me, you know, I can't watch TV, you know, Nintendo 64 or, or anything. And my, my dad, he said, you know, he was a lot more nice when my, my, my mom yelled at me, but my stepdad, he, he talked to me one-on-one -on -one and he said, I understand what you did. When you show people that they have an effect on 
your emotions if you show them their words. May you cry. You're you're letting them win. It doesn't matter if you fight back and you know you come out of that fight with no bruises because people are going to see what you did they don't hear what they said they only see what you did mm -hmm. and you lose in the end because you let somebody control your heart i remember those words exactly you let somebody control your heart and I was just crying. I was like, dad, I don't know what to do. You know, everyone is so mean to me. I hate myself. I hate everybody. And, and that's when I remember he said on Saturday, I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you some boxing. It, it started as Western boxing. Like he mm -hmm. told me, he taught me like, you know, the one, two, threes, all that kind of stuff. Cause he had his own mitts and, like, that's when, like, when he showed me that, like, he, I, he gave me, he gave me his old gloves, they were, like, oversized, and you kind of look like, uh, like, sock and boppers, I don't know if you remember those when you were kids, yes, like those big inflatable things, and you beat up your friends, they look like rock and sock, like, rock and sock and boppers on me, but was it was an experience that I'll never forget the first time I hit mitts with my dad. You know, grab cross, hook, you know, turn your hips this way. I'm like, wow, there's a whole technique to this. And he was also like, you know, dads to give you life lessons. You know, I'm teaching you this power that not a lot of people have. Not a lot of people know how to properly fight. But because you have this power, you have this responsibility to protect yourself and not harm others. Mm. You know, this is, this is for you. This is not to hurt other people. And from then on, like it evolved into Muay Thai. It evolved into um, like American wrestling. Cause my, somehow my dad just knows like, a lot of different combat sports like mm -hmm. that is his life so he he taught me wrestling and grappling and you know I was doing that like every day after school you know all through middle school and in high school and I actually wanted to do high school wrestling but my mom and my brother didn't let me because they didn't want me like wrestling with guys which you know I was mad at them, but I understand. But my dad would still teach me after school until, like, I was about in, co like, college years, like, 18, 19. Mm -hmm. um, he, he had to kind of put coaching on the back burner, and he had to work full time. So I went to, um, like, Muay Thai gym in, in the D.C. area. Mm -hmm. And I had plans on fighting. You know, I started at a young age. I had an advantage. So I was at, um, I was at Pentagon MMA in, in Arlington, Virginia. And the coaches there were awesome. The owner is amazing. I told them, you know, I wanted to fight. And I 
met somebody, you know, in my dating life that was a lot older than me. And, you know, he was the first person that was like, you know, I, because I always hid the fact that I was, that I'm half Pakistani. Mm-hmm. But I, I told him, you know, I'm, because he asked me, like, oh, what is your ethnic background? I told him, I'm half Thai, half Pakistani. And he was like, wow, that's beautiful. And I was like, somebody didn't say that I was ugly? What? <laughs> so I was, that just smitten me. My young 21 year old self was just so like, oh my God, he thinks, he thinks I'm pretty, you know, I, I like him a lot and this and that. So um, it turned into a three year relationship of just him like tearing down on me and me folding because I thought that I would never have anybody else that would accept me for who I am and this and that. And um, like he didn't particularly like me participating in, in Muay Thai and, uh, and, and grappling and whatnot. I actually, when I was in college, I was doing MMA mm-hmm. and I actually had like big dreams to join the UFC and whatnot. And, you know, that came to a halt when, well, one college, you know, I couldn't train as much. And two, I met this guy while I was in college and uh, he wasn't very keen on me doing combat sports because, oh, it's not feminine and this and that. And I was like, oh, well, you know, I can't lose this guy. So I have to listen to him. And I, I remember he told me, you know, I, would look better like I'm pretty now like you're pretty now but you would be even prettier if you had bigger breasts and I was like well he said it in a very disgusting way Mm -hmm. that a typical man dude bro would say Mm -hmm. and I was like huh well I want you to think I'm prettier so yeah I'll get him so he paid for me to have uh, breast augmentation and this should have been a red flag that I didn't notice. But when we were having a consultation with the surgeon in Fairfax, Virginia, um, I'm questioning whether or not I should say their name because I would want people to avoid the surgeon. But at the same time, I don't, you know, I don't know. I, I care for my own safety. So I'll decide on that later. Um, yeah. You know, I went. I went to the surgeon with my then boyfriend at the time and pretty much I didn't get a word in when we were doing the consultation. Um, you know, the, the boyfriend at the time was saying, you know, make them as big as her body can hold. And I'm very petite. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's not, I don't have much skin to stretch. So, you know, he just said, make them as big as possible. And, you know, the surgeon didn't, like, kind of see that as a red flag or, like, question, like, is it ethical for me to do the surgery if this girl is not even, like, showing any excitement or even verbally saying, yeah, she wants to do this? Mm-hmm. So I, I went on and did it. 
and I completely stopped training and I have not been myself since. Mm-hmm. Um, I tried to do Muay Thai again, but it just, it was very uncomfortable even just to move, mm-hmm. even wearing two sports bras. I, you know, it was just so much weight on my petite body and I just couldn't do it anymore. And even now, you know, I try and and try and then I just get discouraged again. And and I couldn't grapple anymore because when, you know, my sparring partner is laying on top of me, Mm -hmm. I'm being suffocated, not by my partner, but by my breast implants. Mm -hmm. So I, I stopped grappling and it just, you know, I felt like I lost a part of me. Um, martial arts is what saved me from myself, saved me from choosing a violent path that would ultimately end up getting me in more trouble than I would have in school. You know, who knows what kind of person I would have been if my dad didn't show me Muay Thai, didn't show me anything like that. And it it has been like kind of an up and down road since I got the surgery. I eventually I broke up with that boyfriend and you know, months later I met my now husband and he is a professional Muay Thai fighter. That's that's why we're in Thailand right now. Mm-hmm. Um and I I mean I've always been into photography as like my artistic outlet Mm -hmm. and I decided you know since I can't physically participate in the sport you know I'll try photographing it and you know I would go to small local fights I would you know work on getting these angles and that shot and I was progressively getting better over time Mm -hmm. until people started noticing my work and then they would call me for commissions I'm like okay, you know, I I was accepting, like, you know, I can't fight, but I can be there at the fights and capture other people's glory moments. And I genuinely love that. It's it's a beautiful art, you know, watching Muay Thai and to capture the perfect, beautiful kick or, you know, like, I love clinching photos. I don't know. They they just look like Renaissance paintings. I I fell in love with Muay Thai photography and I I made it a a job here so that's where I'm at now but um I after talking to uh my general practitioner because I was feeling so much discomfort in my left breast Mm -hmm. and I you know you, you know like when you think the worst I I have some pretty bad anxiety, so I was thinking, oh my god, it's the big C. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't, I'm like freaking out. So I went to my GP, and she was, you know, checking around, and you know, she asked me if I have implants. I said yes, and she said it might have something to do with the implants. So she recommended a plastic surgeon in Chiang Mai, and because that's that's where that's where we live. That's mm-hmm. where my GP is right now in Chiang Mai. And I went to the surgeon and 
he told me, you know, he, he did his examination, he did an x-ray and everything. And he told me there is so much built up scar tissue in like in and around that breast implant and in my, uh, my breast cavity that if I don't take it out now, if I take it out later, you know, it could get worse and it can potentially go in my lymph nodes and stuff. It's rare, but it's possible. And like, that was a wake up call to me. Like I've been literally been carrying all this weight on me for the purpose of like appeasing the male gaze and being what, you know, men want us to be, but it's, literally causing me physical health problems and I think that it a lot of people don't understand that there are so many complications with breast implants Mm -hmm. and so many things can go wrong just because it's a popular surgery doesn't mean that it's good for you like even the Brazilian butt lift is the most dangerous plastic surgery you can get but people still get them Mm -hmm. and you know I will never knock anybody that wants to get surgery for themselves if they feel like this is my real self I want this I understand the risk you know that is their that's their life and we have no room to judge but for me it you know I didn't want them from day one I did not want them but I felt like I had to get them and I I spoke to my husband and I told him what the surgeon said and I told him the truth. I told him, you know, I like Muay Thai, specifically Muay Thai has been my life since I was 10. And I had these this ambition to, to fight and compete, get medals, belts, trophies. And I couldn't do that because of these breast implants that I was manipulated into getting. And I decided that I want to take them out and get my body back because I feel like this is not my real body. Mm -hmm. And just every day thinking about taking them out gets me more and more excited and you know, he's, you know, he's a man and he's, he's very honest, but he's also very kind and understanding. He said, you know, as a man, I will miss your big boobs, <laughs> but you know, it is your body, your mental health, your physical health. That is number one. That is number one. I didn't marry you for your boobs, you know, and you know, we had a really big talk and it was very emotional. It was like, oh my God, you love me for me and not my boo. <laughs> um, but he, he's, he's amazing. He's so supportive and I, he's, oh, he's a blessing. But yeah, I, I have that surgery scheduled for June 25th. And then I have a month of healing before I can do any physical activity and then after I'm cleared to do you know physical activity then I'm going to go back to training six days a week like I used to and I already told our coach 
our teacher in Chiang Mai, Crew uh, Thailand, Thailand Pinson Chai. If you've heard of him, he is one of the biggest fighters in the golden era of Muay Thai. And he's so nice. Like, he's so humble. It's like he's a celebrity everywhere we go when we go to fights and stuff. And like, all these like older people know who he is. And I'm like, who is this guy? Like, to me, he's like my Thai uncle. But then, like, to everyone else, he's like this famous guy. So it's so weird. But anyway, um, I told them that, you know, I'm getting the surgery. And then when I'm healed, I want to train and I want to fight. And he was like, okay, when, when you're ready, I'll see you this, like this time every day, no excuses. I was like, okay. <laughs> but, but yeah, that's, um, that's pretty much the whole timeline from start to how it stopped to how I'm getting my life back. And I'm just so excited for it. That, ah, so excited. <laughs> it's huge, right? Because we talk about embodied change. This idea that like in order to heal, in order to heal from so many things, right? I think your story feels a lot like this very symbolic manifestation of being a victim of the patriarchy, right? All these power over structures saying like, you know, you're a woman, you're an object, and then having the physical manifestation of that stuck to you that, like you said, you've literally been carrying for so long. It's firstly, it's incredibly inspiring to see how excited you are about it already and despite the fact that you've suffered so much at the hands of this system you're still having a positive outlook and you're still trying to be a vehicle for change and sharing the story with other people but also yeah it's like you said this next step is going to be the embodiment of kind of being free in some way from those power over structures oh for sure i i used to Thank you. I got, I used to beat myself up a lot because I let somebody, you know, convince me that I had to be this way and that way. And, and, you know, this person took an insecurity that he very well knew about and just used it to his advantage. And, you know, I, I I try not to beat myself up over it because, you know, what I know now, the person I used to be didn't know that. And she was just doing the best she could with what she knew. So, you know, we have to give ourselves grace for, you know, being in these situations that, you know, we had little or even if we did have control over but we didn't know what to do you know it when especially when we're young we trust these people that are supposed to love us take care of us but they don't do their duty and it's not our fault and you know we have to understand that we are like we are who we are and we don't have to be what society tells us. You know, if 
if these certain people have a problem with me being half Pakistani, what are you going to do? I, I can't change who I am. First of all, I'm fabulous as hell. Like mm-hmm. I'm unique. <laughs> and, you know, I, I accepted who I am, of course, you know, through, through therapy, through, you know, um, just being around different people who didn't see me as an object, but saw me as a friend, saw me as a, a training partner. Because that's the thing about martial arts is that it doesn't matter how messy you look. It doesn't matter who you are, what you are, who you identify as. We're all on that mat together. We're all there to help each other out and help each other grow and corner each other for fights and and stuff. Like, you know, all fight camp and everything is grueling. But when you're on that mat, we all have to be there together. And everything else outside of the mat doesn't matter. So... Like, you know, people don't even ask me, oh, like, what ethnicity are you? Like, why does it matter? I'm I'm American. I was born here. That's all that matters. But, you know, um, it's it was quite the journey to accept who I am and also learn not to let anybody tell me who I am, what I am and what I'm capable of being. It it took so many years, but it is possible. And you know, it as simple as it sounds, it's not easy. But one of the main things is to just keep holding on to your vision, because that is what's going to keep you going. There's going to be so many obstacles, and sometimes we do. Like, because society, like, conditions women that we don't have value unless we're, we're pretty or we dress this way or we do that, you know, we, we're good cooks and, you know, so, you know, it's, you kind of have to, like, ignore the noise, you know, and, even if you do dress like that because it makes you happy or, you know, you like to get dolled up because it makes you happy, that is totally different than feeling like you have to do it, you know? And I've always been a tomboy. <laughs> um, I always wore, like, boys' clothes just because I thought boys' clothes looked cool and I love Hawaiian shirts. Oh, you should have seen me. If I had pictures of my Hawaiian shirt face... <laughs> It was, it was it was a fun time um the hawaiian shirt and bands and dickie's shorts like <laughs> i was definitely uh, a character back then but um yeah i i was just always a tomboy and then when i met that boyfriend at the time you know he told me you know the way i dressed was like you know he was like oh you look like a lesbian that's just and that and like first of all there's nothing wrong with lesbians and they know how to dress. Is one that's all I'm gonna say. <laughs> and um, he just like bought me all these like different 
different dresses and really low cut and like just really body hugging. And I never like really wore tight clothes because I just like I just always hated when people made physical comments about my body. Um, like especially when oh god when when you're a teenage girl going through puberty and there's always going to be some creep that's like oh you're you're certainly filling out and I'm like give me that sweater don't look at me like god it's terrible that that's still a thing Mm -hmm. like I would never want to be a teenager again (laughs) oh gosh but you know it's it's just at the end of the day, you know, hold on to your vision. That's, that's, that's really what kept me going is never forgetting what I am capable of. Even when we fall down and we fall victim to mental abuse, to emotional abuse, um, you know, I always kept this journal And I would write down who I am. And I would say things like, you know, I'm a Muay Thai fighter. I'm I'm an MMA fighter. I can do this. I can do that. I'm I'm beautiful in my own way and this and that. And I would just keep those reminders to myself because really that's the only thing that kept me going. And like the power of journaling is so underrated. <laughs> it really is. It, especially for people that have gone through traumatic experiences. It's, it, for me, like just writing anything I wanted and no one else can look at it but me. That is like, that is my private space that nobody can get into and even my husband, like he sees so many journals around their house and he knows never to touch them. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's, that's like a hard no. And he's like, he's completely understanding. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what the main point was because I'm the queen of tangents. <laughs> so please, Georgia, bring me back. <laughs> okay, okay. No, I think... I think the the tangent that we went down is really helpful, right? Because the the journey that you've been on, including like journaling and all of the things that, you know, you've thought about and said to yourself, they're grounded in experience too. So I think the first thing, one of the things you said really stuck out to me was about how you were like, you know, I, I try not to blame myself for like, um, being swayed by his decisions and what he wanted for my body but it's like the experiences that you had growing up color that so much we we can't look at things in isolation it's not a black and white like do I want it or don't I want it there are so many other societal um experiential things that lead up to that point of what you felt like other people were saying but also your experiences with what other people literally said that that will lead to a point where you're like, this is obviously what I need to do in order to receive love, which is a fundamental human need. And then going forward, right, having Muay Thai means that when you journal 
I'm more than big boobs, right? I am a Muay Thai fighter. I am an MMA fighter. It's not just positive affirmations and thoughts like I could be. It's I have the proof because I've done it. I've trained after school every day. I know my body's capable of that. And I think that's one of the wonderful things that we see in martial arts is they help, especially women, have experiences of power, have experiences of feeling strong and taking up space and having ownership of their bodies rather than just positive thinking, which is important, but it's really hard. It's hard to replace one identity with another one just with your words. But if you have proof, then your body and your brain is like, ah, okay, I can believe it. I see some evidence. Like, we're cool. We're cool. And now you could be at the point where you're like, I'm taking back my body. I'm taking out my implants. I'm going to finally chase my dream of stepping in the ring. Um, You know, everything kind of comes full circle. Yes. And I just... Like when you've been in in such a negative mind space for so long, it's hard to believe like I'm taking my life back. You know, you like it's like you never think, you know, things will be the way that you want it to be, but it is possible. And like that that that's the main thing that is blowing my mind like I still can't believe like oh my god I'm finally getting these out I have it scheduled it's in once it's in the planner it's it's happening yeah (laughs) and and it's it's so exciting I I I can't believe that it's actually happening because like martial arts just doesn't teach you you know combat but it also teaches you a philosophy you know of of calmness of you know having control of your mind not letting it control you and I I love that aspect of martial arts um especially in Muay Thai like if you if you watch Muay Thai fights you know these fighters are getting battered and beaten but their face is still like you know, I'm still fighting strong, you know, they, you know, they, like, they're in physical pain, but they're in control of themselves, Mm -hmm. you know, like, my dad was telling me, if you show the other person that they're hurting you, they're winning, Mm -hmm. so that ties a lot into, like, a Muay Thai fight, if you show your opponent that they're hurting you, then like honestly judges look at that and at least in Thailand they look at that and they go oh that guy is you know he's showing that he's hurt it like goes against them like it literally goes against them that's crazy like Thai scoring is so crazy compared to American scoring but you know a lot goes into it and um i I just I still can't wrap my head around it and the fact that my husband is supportive of me you know starting my fight career at the ripe age of 28 um you know I I'm I'm so excited I I I can't even I can't even describe it um because I I need this you know I I know a lot of people who like started like they they're in the martial arts and then 
COVID happened and all the gyms closed and so many people were like, oh my God, what do I do? Like even my husband, you know, he was pretty depressed because he didn't have his outlet. He didn't have his sport. And, you know, my like other friends who, you know, I won't name, but, you know, they went through depression and, um, I actually have a really, really, really good friend of mine. Her name is Stephanie. She was a student of my my dad. You know, he he taught her Muay Thai, and she came from like a rough neighborhood, like in where we like in the area we lived, and you know, she was always with the wrong crowd, and you know, she discovered Muay Thai through a mutual friend of ours and she asked where did you learn that because he she saw it on his uh, Facebook and he said oh I I learned from Master Sam Master Sam is my my stepdad and she reached out to my dad and started coaching her for a couple years and like she stopped like all like the the street hooligan shenanigans and like she dedicated her time to Muay Thai and I met her and you know we trained together we we were we were soul sisters and we can talk to each other about everything anything we we were on the same wavelength like you know she would call my my mom and my stepdad you know man Paul which means mom and dad and Thai and you know, they called her daughter and, you know, she was so close to our family. And um, when COVID happened and everyone stopped training, she like went back to her old friends and, you know, they're into like street racing and all that kind of stuff. And in September of 2020, she was in a she was in a Toyota Supra with one of her friends and they were speeding down the highway in um in a small town in Maryland and they crashed and she she died instantly in that car crash and sorry okay take your time that was a very pivotal moment of my life I lost somebody so close to me and you know we're so young she's you know at a time of her death she was only 25 and it just it shows how martial arts really saves your life or you know you'll take a different path mm-hmm. and you know ultimately it can cost your life and but, and with the age of social media you know it, like somehow the like her story went on like are you familiar with worldstarhiphop.com Okay, maybe it's an American thing, but it could be. It's basically 
yeah, I, I think it's Amer- like strictly American, but it's, it's a website where people just like post videos, uh, like just kind of like, like ratchet kind of videos, like where it's like, um, like street fights or whatever, like okay. just, you know, it's it, like just like street stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know, my friend Stephanie happened to post uh, like on her Instagram story, like her in the Supra, and then like somebody like screen recorded her story of her being in the Supra, and then the next um, the next video, like the next clip in that video, was the car crash and then people like zoomed into her body and like everyone in the comments were making fun of her and saying she deserved it and and like people somehow found my Instagram because you know we have pictures together on her Instagram Mm -hmm. and I'm tagged in them and people just like started sending me hate mail like like oh you should have died with her in that car and I'm like who the fuck are you mm-hmm. like like I lost my best friend and you're telling me I should die too you don't even know me mm-hmm. and and um and people were leaving terrible comments on her photos mm-hmm. saying like like she she had a three-year-old son and his birthday was a month before she passed away and he bought her like one of those little kid cars that's like it looks like a sports car but a little kid can drive it mm-hmm. and somebody commented hopefully he's a better driver than his mom and just like terrible stuff like that and like it it really added salt to the wound and that honestly <coughs> excuse me that was the moment when I decided I'm I'm going to get back into this. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get back into Muay Thai because, you know, it, it's like what Stephanie would want for me. It's what I want for me. I don't want to be in that dark place forever that I was in when I got my surgery and you know I just felt like I had no path Mm -hmm. and after her death it you know it, it lit that that passion for me again because she Because, like, the same, like, we almost have the same story. Like, my dad saved her from, you know, doing stuff on the streets. And, you know, my my dad saved me from, like, beating up other kids at school. Mm-hmm. And I felt like I wanted to keep, keep Muay Thai going for me, for her, for, like, the legacy that my dad led 
saving us. I didn't, you know, he lost Stephanie. I didn't want him to lose me too. Mm-hmm. So it it just lighted that fire again. And, you know, I've, I've been working on trying to like train again and again, you know, but like these things were giving me trouble. So mm-hmm. that's when I was like, all right, they're coming out. Like I'm not giving up. Like, I still think about her to this day and I, I have, I have to keep this going, mm-hmm. you know, until, until I'm too old and, and then I will be able to teach mm-hmm. women and, you know, I even want to teach kids eventually, mm-hmm. like when, when I'm like not fighting or training anymore, you know, give them the same freedom and bodily autonomy that I got I'll help them because unfortunately you know women will be victimized throughout you know I don't know how long and you know unfortunately that it doesn't seem like the world is going to change anytime soon. So the best that we can do is help each other out as, as fellow women, you know, and that's what I want to do. And, you know, it, for, for Stephanie and for me and for all the other women that felt like, you know, I don't have control of my body. I, I'm just an object. I'm, what I'm just this I'm that you know I I have to appease the male gaze no you don't have to you can be whoever you want to be and that's what I want to show people and especially I want to show myself I can be whoever I want to be no one can tell me otherwise you know that's that's really important to me right now and you know it's it's a mad world the only thing we can do is you know control the world like our world and try to bring up everyone else you know help bring them up with us that's that's my philosophy you know if you know I see a fellow woman that's kind of struggling you know hey, like, you know, you can come up with me. It's okay. You know, you don't have to, you, you know, I was there before, but you can stand up. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's, that, that was, that was a very, very big moment in my life when she passed away and really the start of the drive to get back into fighting. And, uh, and my time was because of Stephanie and, yeah, still to this day, it has a big effect on, you know, our, our little Muay Thai community in the DC area. And her funeral was the first time I ever saw my stepdad cry. Like, I've known him most of my life. And that was the first time I saw him cry. And when I saw that man cry, girl, I was... I fell down on my knees and I was sobbing because, you know, 
he was always like the strong male figure in my life and who was really protective and, you know, very caring, very protective, but, you know, he was always like the strong one. And then when I saw him cry, I like like a like a almond flour cookie that did not have enough milk I was just like it, it broke me mm-hmm. and that's what I knew I have to I have to do this not for myself but for him because he passed this knowledge down to me and I can't let it die with me I need to keep it going if not for me then for the man who saved me because to see him like that I I never want to see him like that again mm-hmm. so but I decided to pick it back up and <laughs> we're getting there <laughs> yeah and I mean the social media piece is really tough like you have to be very protective of the kind of spaces that you inhabit online just because people are not being people. They are really not looking at people as a whole, hearing their story, judging people on one moment. And on the one hand, it's, it's, it's absolutely fucked. It's messed up. It's so terrible. The other hand, with the internet, I think that one of the cool things that's coming out now is that you can choose to totally stay away from spaces like that, like Instagram and Facebook for the most part, like as much as you can, you can spend time in places like the fight her discord. Um, So for people who don't know, discord is like a online chat program that often is used by gamers, but more and more is being used for specific communities to connect in the web. And it's a 100% positive space. Like there's no negativity allowed. It's a safe space. It's a women owned and run and participated in space. And so you can choose to go online and I'll drop the link here for how to put your details. If you um, identify as female and are a fighter and you want to join the fight her community and spend your time hearing positive messages like what we're for the most part talking about today from other women to you know surround yourself by that kind of messaging as opposed to stuff that has no business taking up real estate in your in your mindset right oh I cannot thank that community enough thank you for bringing that up um yeah if like you said if you are female identified or non-binary you know fill out the form and you know it is such a great community I I don't know if you remember this was about a month ago I was um I was getting ready to photograph at Rajadamnon Stadium in Bangkok Thailand and I was the first female to photograph there and I (laughs) I mean, it it didn't go perfectly, but still, you know, I was able to get some photographs in before. Um, so, okay, so I'll give I'll give the details for people that don't know. So, Rajadhanan Stadium is the first Muay Thai stadium in Thailand. So, there's a lot of history behind it, but there's still a lot of archaic traditions. Like, women are still not allowed to fight there. And women are not allowed to touch the ring. 
So there's a so there's a promoting company called GSV Combat where they just merged with Raja Dunnan Stadium. So Raja Raja I'm just calling Raja Raja Stadium is its own company and GSV is its own company. So GSV uh, they are like very young progressive a lot of diversity in that company whereas raja it's the same old thai men that have been working there for decades so gsv invited me to photograph this really big event on was it may 12 yeah it was may 12 and you know i i was i had my vip pass and everything and i was i was in there the assistant for gsv was showing me around and you know i was like okay you know she's like let me know if you need anything and i said thank you i'm like walking around trying to get some good you know vantage points and i could tell like the old time men were looking at me like like they were kind of sneering at me and you know I I am fluent in Thai so I heard one guy say to another what is she doing here and I just like let her roll off my shoulder I was like oh whatever I'm here to do my job mm-hmm. and haters can just hate over there so um I fights were starting and first round of the first fight I was taking some pretty good photographs and then security security for raja stadium told me that i couldn't be there and that i need to go up to the stands i was like i showed them my pass i was like i i have permission to take photographs here and he was still like arguing with me and i called the gsv assistant and she came over explained it to him and then like they you know everything was fine but i could tell he was like pissy but whatever so i went to another side of the the ring to get more photos same thing with another security guard and it was i was just getting so frustrated i was like i'm not arguing with these people anymore i'm just going to go up to the stands and just watch the rest of the fights and my husband was there and he saw me walking up and we locked we locked eyes we didn't even need to say anything mm-hmm. he knew <laughs> and it was it was not the experience we were expecting like everyone on the flight her discord like whenever something is going on we all cheer each other on and you know they were cheering me on like yeah man you got this you know we're so happy for you you know can't wait to see um we can't you we can't wait to see the content and then i told them what happened and you know they were all so supportive and i honestly was about to give up photography because even in thailand the muay thai photography scene is just a boys club mm-hmm. and i know who those guys are i see them on instagram they all hang out together and they're all just like sick. and then you know um I'm not going to name names but there is 
there are a few people in that like Muay Thai like social scene like they're not fighters but they're in like a social scene where you know they know promoters and you know they kind of schmooze with them and kind of like if they have a favorite fighter or favorite photographer they'll get them there um and like there's like a particular person that like if you're not a cute little Thai girl then he's he's not gonna help you out he's not gonna you know put in a good word for you or help you you know do this and that like everything that I like in terms of my photography I've gotten there myself and I've gotten so much rejection so many messages left like on red and you know just so so many roadblocks but then I finally got this one to go to Raja and I only got a few photos in but you know like not making any comparisons because it's nothing like what I'm about to say but you know Rosa Parks didn't take the whole ride to where she needed to go but she was still the first person the the first black woman to sit in the front of the bus even though she got kicked out Mm -hmm. so you know it's it's a step Mm -hmm. you know it's not exactly what we wanted but it raised you know it raised awareness that things need to change and you know I take that negative experience as okay these old time men are not ready (laughs) but I'm gonna keep working at it and I'm I'm gonna get not only myself but other women in there so yeah that that was a whole ordeal but if it weren't for the members of fight her I would have given up I was so pissed I spent the whole next day crying <laughs> um you know I was supposed to meet up with um the the person that runs the discord Angela Chang if you haven't seen her fight she's she's an American Muay Thai fighter who lives in uh, Bangkok she is so good and you know anyone watching put her name on youtube watch her fight and then just be amazed but i was supposed to meet up with her that day but i was just so depressed i was like i can't get out of bed and she was really nice and understanding and it was a shit situation but you know everyone in that community like i have nothing but good things to say like i'm I'm so glad that we have that space to support each other and and talk about these things and you know it's a place where we elevate each other we don't bring each other down and you know that's what we need like women are already brought down a peg or two because of how society is built you know in this space they're you know we bring each other up yeah so absolutely and and that's how we met (laughs) that is how we met um and as we start to run out of time, I want to know, apart from the Discord, which, like I said, I'll put a link to anyone who wants to join, how can people connect with you online? Sure. So I have my 
main Instagram account that I use for like putting my training footage and just like miscellaneous stuff. Um, it's the handle is my fight name that my dad gave to me when I was a kid. Um, it's so hard to spell because it's in Thai, it's called Sao Sua. That means tiger daughter. So it's the letter S. A. How do I spell it? S A O S E U A dot X. Yes. Because I know how to spell it in Thai, but then, like, like when you spell Thai words, but in English, it's so confusing to me. Oh my God. That's the most impressive thing ever. that is amazing (laughs) yeah no don't worry I'll drop the link in the show notes anyway so people can just click on it perfect sorry look like (laughs) (laughs) no it makes you look so smart you speak multiple languages it's the most impressive thing in the world to me oh thank you no like I still struggle with Thai like I'm not even gonna lie but um yeah because it's what's called Thai karaoke so you write a word in Thai but it's in like English words like you know how people say um like hello they write like s-a-w like in English so that's like that's called Thai karaoke I am really bad at that so (laughs) so that's that's my main account and then my photography account is mint Lakata photo so that's that's like more my like a businessy account that's where I put some of my work in and if you are a fighter if you want to if you want me to go to your fights and photograph for you or even go to your gym and make like a promotional video for your training and everything you know that's what I do I do both photographs and uh, videography Mm -hmm. for social media specifically so if if you need any of that, you know, I'd be more than happy to help. You know, I know like the great angles too, because I have the eyes of a Muay Thai fighter. So I know exactly what, what angles to capture and what, you know, what you don't want to put in there. Like if your technique, like you're like, take that out. I'll be like, you don't need to tell me I got you. So. <laughs> Yes. Oh, I'm sad that I'm not in Thailand so that we can't work together, but who knows? Maybe I'll come back sometime. Are you in Australia? Australia. Yeah. In Melbourne. Not that far. Ish. Nice. I actually, I actually plan on visiting next year. I'm just scared of the giant spiders. So can you reassure me that I won't die? <laughs> Absolutely. Especially From if you come down. Spiders, that's what if you come down to Melbourne, there's very like less of the big spiders. But even anywhere, like I have never seen the giant dangerous ones. I've seen some of the small ones, but it's not as bad as you think. It's nowhere near as bad as you think, okay. especially not in gyms. You'll be fine. Come, come. You'll love it. There's so many more <laughs> positives than spiders. <laughs> so funny that that's the wrap. Because I watch so much National Geographic, I probably should lay off on that. Yeah, because they only like they show like only the scariest parts of of certain countries and in cities to like get the views, but it like t- 
turns you off to wanting to go visit there, but I'm 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 going next year. So I'll definitely let you know when I come visit. Yes, oh, it'll be so do. fun. Yes, amazing. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on and sharing your story and being so brave. It's been an incredible interview, man. Oh, thank you, Georgia. It was it was nice to actually open up about that because I know, you know, especially this day and age, especially right now in America. There's a lot of racism going on and, you know, people think it's not a big deal, but it really shapes your perception of who you are and it makes you hate yourself for something that you can't change. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can't change who you are, but you can be whoever the fuck you want to be and just block out the noise. You know, you are more than the color of your skin or the DNA in your blood. You are who you want to be. So I that's a very important message that I want to send out to everybody that's dealing with prejudice, racism, sexism, homophobia. You are not defined by those factors. You create your own destiny and you create your own character. Everybody else just fuck them. <laughs> That's my philosophy. Fuck them. <laughs> this is how we're going to end the episode. Just fuck them. Fuck them. <laughs> Thank you so much, Georgia. It, it, it really was a pleasure speaking. And, you know, I, I hope we get to meet soon. I'm, we're planning on March of next okay. year. Oh, that's soon. Oh, I need to get my calendar. I need to buy outfits. Specifically, <laughs> I always buy outfits for where I'm going to travel. Okay, this is my Australia outfit. This is my England outfit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I will give you some tips then off, off air about how to dress for Australia in March then. Depends where you're going, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. My pleasure. Have you thought of something to be grateful for today? What was it? I'm grateful for the amazing women that train with me at the Fight Back Project. I'm grateful for Nari and the beautiful song Shape Me heard at the beginning and end of every episode. And I'm grateful for you for listening to this show and helping martial arts keep saving lives. So thank you from the bottom of my heart. If you'd like to leave me a review to help more people find the show, that's a bonus. shapes me but me don't gotta tell you what my name is i don't gotta explain it walk in the room hear a boom erupting like i'm famous i'm here shedding shells i'm shameless i fear nothing no complacence Walk to many tight ropes with no hope, so I became this poster they hold over all the heads of trauma holders. You don't need to know my history, I move boulders. Atlas shrug, cause I lifted the weight above his shoulders. No pretense of defense, move first like chess soldiers. This goes deeper than empowerment, cause huh, I'm the one to power it. Physical meets mental challenge me to keep devouring. If I can't change the scenery, at least I change perspectives. No longer isolated, but elevated and selective. Darkest places become beautiful spaces. This is where rage meets patience, meets power, meets gracious. 
meets We're so glad you came in, the feeling is contagious When you the walking impact of intended bad intentions When you the manifesting of collecting all they tensions You the soul and body hold it all and still remember But I'm a work in progress, testament to all contenders Forgot what it was like to have control over self Forgot what it was like to be the one in charge Forgot in my reflection I could see all my wealth Forgot that with my bare hands I break all these bars Barriers and obstacles They can't cage me They can't chronicle all my experiences And reduce them to appearances When I was truly beaten Gave myself clearances to fall down Mess up and get myself back up I'm not looking for clovers Cause I don't believe in luck Damn you were badass I heard them say it clearly Why thank you very much I know now I'm not weary Of what's next for me Cause I expect to see Growth like I was planted, watered, fed, and bloomed to be the positivity and accountability. Knowing they won't step if I'm the agent of my agency. I think I found my voice again, huh? I think I found my voice again, huh? I'm not sorry, I'm not sorry, you're the end where I begin. Boundaries, I know them well. Take a breath and meditate. Who is she? I know her well. Now I get to open gates. One, two, one, two. I don't need your permission. And if you get uncomfortable, then use your intuition to know that I won't stay where respect is ever missing. And everything I do, that's me making decisions. It's truly underrated the value of self worth. Forgot that I was rich from the moment of my birth. A penny for my thoughts, no, really, you can't afford it. You cannot buy my story, rewrite it, or record it. You cannot buy my story, rewrite it, or record it. 